KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The COVID 19 pandemic has done a lot of things, and that includes turbocharged the problem of food insecurity here in the U.S. Food banks have seen unprecedented demand, and that continues a year in. We wanted to learn more about what the last year has been like for those helping to battle food insecurity, so we caught up with Fred Wozniak. He is the president and CEO of the Food Bank of South Jersey. We talk about how they have addressed the needs in their community, what's been learned, how they have had to adjust, and where they go from here with brighter days hopefully ahead. Insightful and important conversation. Give a listen. So just to start, and I know we have had pretty deep discussions before, but for people that aren't familiar, that maybe haven't heard our previous conversation, to give us some context, what area does Food Bank of South Jersey serve? Kind of give us the who you deal with. Yeah, uh, thank you. Well, we serve uh, four counties in South Jersey. That's Burlington, Camden, uh, Gloucester, and Salem counties. And within those four counties, there's actually 58, 59 communities uh, that we distribute uh, food into the community neighborhoods. So if I call you on March 11th, 2020, is there any way you could possibly imagine what the next year would look like for, for you and and for the food bank? No. No. March 11th, actually, that's a very good question. Uh, March 11th, 2020, we were getting ready for our first quarter review of our new strategic plan that was just approved in January. And uh, we were all excited about that, you know, is uh, the direction of the organization, you know, I, I arrived in 2018. So, you know, 2019 was uh, assessing, getting adjusted, putting a new board together, reorganizing a great staff team. And, you know, we set our bounds for a strategic plan, which was a half of 2019, and we were ready to go. And uh, March 11th, no idea. You know, we, we started hearing things, this, this, and that. But we said, all right, you know, if it's like the flu, it'll come and go. Uh, you know, we'll just move on. But then, uh, you know, the rest is history. How long did it take for you guys to realize you were going to have to start to mobilize in a way like never before? Was there a moment when that became apparent or was it just kind of this gradual and rapid rise in need and phone calls and emails and stuff like that? Probably around the week of March 22nd to the 27th. It's funny you said that I was going back to our staff records you know, we started keeping staff notes, uh, if you will, staff minutes. And, I, you know, I found our, our first recorded official staff minutes. And going back to then, it was like March 22nd to the 23rd that we realized, all right, this is something, this is not just a normal flu. And so at that point, we mobilized what we called our health strategy task force in-house. You know, we collected our eight, nine department uh, heads. We met for two weeks, once a week for two weeks, the third week, which was right around that March 27th, we realized, you know, this is changing so fast, we're going to have to meet daily. And that was a pivotal point for our organization. Uh, that, at that point as well, we started looking at, all right, what does this mean, remote? HR policy, how do we handle people working remotely versus in-house? Essential workers, the, you know, the information from the, our government agencies, now declaring essential workers. And at one point, 
uh, when uh, only essential workers were allowed on the road. You know, our staff get in the building four o'clock, you know, four four thirty to start getting the trucks rolling. A couple of our staff actually got stopped by uh, law enforcement. Where are you going? You're supposed to be home. I mean, it was unbelievable, and that was that was the beginning, the pivot of all right. What do we do from here? So, how many people have you been able to help? I was looking over the numbers, and <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot year over year. Give us. You know, in the last year, the work you guys have been able to do. Well, unprecedented turned into opportunity. And when we pivoted, we realized that we're going to, you know, we have to, we're, we immediately were serving at a different level. Schools were shutting down, uh, unemployment, you know, how do we get food to children in schools? And all of that built up to that. We increased our, our percentage over 2019 about 45%. More pounds delivered in 2020 than 2019. So collectively, we delivered 22 and a half million pounds in 2020, which equates to about 18.7 million meals. The year before, we were just reaching 16 million pounds. And you know, and our goal as a food bank is not just to deliver food. You know, we want to hashtag end the line. You know, working to uh, end this uh, food insecure. That was unprecedented. Uh, you know, 40, 45% increase over 2019 and all that had to go into, uh, reinventing, you know, stabilizing and so forth. Uh, so that's, that Matt, that was about 95,000 people a month, which we're still serving. It hasn't slowed down equating to, we figured out it's somewhere between 50 and 55,000 meals a day we're serving, which is again, you know, 40, 45% higher than the year before. So unprecedented, but um, we're, we're doing it and it's not going away anytime soon. What's the strain been like that it's put because you need more, but also you're going to move more food. You need more people to move it. That means more volunteers. And oh, by the way, we've got a social distance and maybe people are worried about getting sick. There's a lot of ripple effects here. So what kind of strain has it put on your logistics over the last year and how have you adjusted over the last year to make it work better and better? Yeah, man, highly strained uh, food bank, you know, staff just for several, six months, it was nonstop. Just day after day, we shifted to 10, 12 hours a day. The fascinating thing is we had to stop our volunteer program. You mentioned, you know, how did volunteers Annually, pre-COVID, we were we had 8,000-plus volunteers helping us uh, throughout the year. Uh, and that is to pack and sort food drives. You know, any given time, we'd have 20, 25 community food drives going through our four counties, which would bring in hundreds and thousands of pounds of food. But, you know, with a small staff at the time, 45, 50 staff to do everything else, to sort through all the cans, the perishables, expired, you know, the damaged and putting them into 32 different categories, that takes a, a volunteer force of hands. So we would have anywhere from you know 30 to 60 volunteers a day, Monday through Friday, and to include our mobile food distributions. We had to stop that, as you said, for social distancing. Less touches on the cans. You know, I remember my, my wife and I, even during the, the height of this, if you you know curbside pickup at the grocery store, uh, your perishables came home, you wiped everything down with Clorox wipes. I mean, that's how, you know, we were into this trauma. And, you know, we were feeling the same thing at the food bank. So volunteer program stopped. 
which means our, our food drives, actually food drives stopped, and then we, didn't, we couldn't do the volunteers. So that was a, a less amount of poundage. Uh, so we shifted uh, logistically. Uh, we had to hire uh, temp staff. So instead of 60 volunteers a day, we had to shift things around. We probably had at the peak seven, seven, seven eight temp staff um, just helping us, uh, which we resorted to as emergency food boxes. Because our food lines, our distributions at our 200, now 210 pantries, you know, the dignity of individuals, we wanted people, we want people to have choice when they come into um, to the uh, pantries and to the food lines, that they have a choice just as we have in a you know, grocery store. We have this opted choice because it's less touches. Unfortunately, the government uh, waived any signatures needed. And so we were able to pot, pack our emergency food boxes with both government in larger donation, donated food from uh, corporations, uh, which really worked because it was a safer um, way to do that. And uh, so there were a lot of logistics involved. Are you able to get the volunteer program back running at any point yet, or are you hopeful you'll be able to in the near future? Where does that stand? Yeah, uh, you mentioned the optimistically hopeful uh, earlier. The um, no. Not inside the building. We did keep a core of about six to seven, about seven volunteers uh, and mainly retired individuals. Uh, so they were there with us in the bubble, if you will, from the beginning. Um, they were there daily, even pre-COVID. So they were core um, to us. We kept them on hand to help us. But no, there's no other volunteers in the building at this point other than those six to seven where we have increased volunteers is at our distribution sites. You know, our, our distribution sites, um, I can't, I think it's somewhere that it, we had 328 distribution, uh, mobile distribution sites um, last year in 2020. So we needed volunteers and we had to restructure our whole distribution line. We went from the, the market dignity, have a choice to open the trunk, we'll place the, the food boxes, the, pan, the uh, poultry, uh, the, the uh, dairy and so forth. We needed volunteers there. So we've upped our volunteers at our mobile distribution sites because that capacity increased. But right now, um, until we get past this, so we're not, there's no intention to have volunteers come in our building anytime soon. We still have 50% of our staff working remotely intermittently. So Matt, we haven't shut down since March 11th. We kept um, our operations moving. And we intend to do so in a time to come, even as people are getting their vaccinations. You know, we're still wearing masks in a building. It's mandatory, social distance, um, no, no more more than one person working in an office. And again, about 50% of our staff is... Um, How has the who changed as far as who you're helping? We talked before, and I think one of the things we discussed was because of the nature of this crisis, you were seeing a lot of people that had never had to utilize the food bank, maybe were donors before and now needed help. Are you still seeing that? I mean, you mentioned you're still helping the same amount of people in bulk, but are you still seeing like people that have never been in this situation before that, that find themselves needing, uh, needing the help of the food bank? So the uh, individuals, Attending our food lines, attending our pantries hasn't changed um, since the pandemic started. Uh, January, we, we distributed 50% more food than we did in 2020. Uh, so that those lines haven't come down. You know, unemployment um, is getting better, but it's still there. 
the long-term ripple effect of you know the, the frontline employees or, or, or individuals who had uh, hospitality jobs could it work remotely because as the hospitality industry shut down you know you, you have no job to even work remotely so as uh, unemployment hurt hurt that front line it did ripple effect where uh, you know companies uh, were cutting back and usually by the end of uh, normally in the fourth quarter of any year you see a lot of uh, staff changes within uh, corporations and so forth so we're still seeing um, uh, individuals that never thought they would be in line. Uh, as you said, uh, you know, donors, uh, people that would support uh, nonprofit organizations, including the food bank, were in line themselves. Uh, some feel shameful. Others are so thankful. I mean, they're all thankful, uh, but it really it's uh, humbling. And we're just happy that uh, we are there. And, it, you know, food and security doesn't choose who, be your, your, your relative, a neighbor, yourself, a friend. And we're still in it. Feeding America had data pre-2008 recession, the Great Recession. It took 10 years, 2018, to get back to the pre-food uh, and secure. 10 years. Now, you think of where we are now. This has been the greatest food insecurity uh, to our country since the Great Depression of 1930s, early 30s. It's going to be a long time before we can recover from this. And even as the pandemic, you know, as people get healthier, still the ripple effect of, of unemployment, of underemployed, and people leaving the job market, not even to look for jobs, um, it's going to be a while. So, it, you know, the other great thing, Matt, as you said, people, we've had people knocking on our front door coming into um, – to the food bank and, and even in our distribution lines, handing us stimulus checks. Said, I don't need this, but I know you do, and hopefully this will help someone. And uh, so, it's been a, just some re very rewarding opportunities throughout last year and continuing. Nearly two trillion dollars in aid just passed through Congress, and at least on paper, it really seems to be programs money that is targeted at the bottom. 20-25%. There's a lot of help in theory on paper. We'll see how it's implemented. How optimistic are you that this help from the government will help shorten the lines you're seeing, that it will really play a role in helping some people through some tough times here and maybe bridge the gap to, to brighter days ahead? Yeah, uh, we're very optimistic. Looking at the preliminary outline of this newest plan, and again, is anything that's in a, in a bill that's, but you know, there's always other things in there, and that's just, I guess, politics and government. From a food bank level, we're excited that um, you know that there is going to be funding not only to serve people uh, food, but also you know one of the things that we're, which is a very good, remarkable tool, is the SNAP uh, program. And so the data we have is that for every meal a food bank distributes, a SNAP can provide nine meals. And also the SNAP benefit program, uh, as, as you said, you know, to those that are, are most in need, it also brings back about $1.50 back into the local economy. So really that's a, that's a great. So we're, we're excited about that. Uh, we're excited there's going to be unemployment benefits because, you know, people need to get back to work. Obviously, for money and, you know, to get back on their feet from the debt that they've incurred, but it's also the psyche, the feel good. 
that I'm working again and I can start providing again. In the interim of all that, um, we're excited because we believe support's going to come to help continue the food banks to uh, meet the need that we have. What have you guys learned logistically, personnel, marketing, whatever, over the last year that is going to stick around? Maybe things that you may not have thought of because you didn't need to or wasn't you weren't in a place where you had to think outside the box on the run. But are there things you guys have learned that are going to make you a better organization going forward, even post-pandemic? Yes, uh, man, that's a great question. You know, one thing we learned, there were no mistakes over the course of this last year. There were just all experiences and how can we do it better. The other thing that um, we learned is as you build relationships, especially nonprofit organizations, strong, deep relationships with stakeholders, volunteers, board members, those friends you can rely on. And we did. Relationships that we have built, uh, we were able to rely on people to help get us through this, whether it was um, through strategy, through consult, uh, through financial resources, uh, from networking. But friends count. And this was a time to do that. Uh, the other thing that was remarkable for our organization, as I said earlier, we were just coming off a strategic plan. And so we had this entrepreneur thinking out of the box. We had this flow and excitement within our organization that really helped us um, be, stay stabilized and pivot. Um, that, you know, any strategic plan with an organization, there's that uh, group work, the blood, sweat, and tears, but it built a camaraderie between the board and the staff and trust, and that we can listen to each other. And it, there was no bad idea. There was no stupid question. Um, it was all on the table. And uh, so those were some of the things we learned. Other things, we became more efficient. You know, these emergency food boxes we have now work extremely well. And so that might be a new uh, concept for us to move forward, even as the pandemic uh, releases uh, from all the illness and, and, and so for transfer. The other thing, that we learned just uh, how we operate our warehouse. We have restructured, reorganized the logistics within our warehouse that is uh, more efficient in getting food in and getting food out. And the last thing, our health and wellness department, Matt, you know, we teach our vulnerable communities how to cook health, healthy, with nutritious food, how to find and be resourceful when you go to a grocery market uh, to be, you know, cognizant of the dollar, how that can last and how to have less food waste. And these were all hands-on uh, teaching for our health and wellness department throughout our 58 communities. They were able to pivot and create online courses. Uh, we had over a thousand educational sessions online, 33 different curriculas online. So we were able through um, the recording of these teaching sessions uh, to actually uh, hit more individuals and more communities. Uh, and that's going to stay around for a while. Do you have a concern? We are a society, I think, that is very generous when the need is in front of us. And we're in the midst of a crisis. People donate. Like you talk about people walking with your stimulus checks. As life gets back to normal for the majority, as people start to focus on vacations and stuff like that, are you worried about being able to maintain the level of donation you need Uh because I think a lot about like blood donations during a natural disaster. They're through the roof for the week, but then it kind of goes away. And it's not anybody 
you know, not nefarious. It's just life gets in the way and suddenly it's not as high on the depth chart. Do you have concerns going forward about the maintaining the level of people giving that you need to, to do the work? Because as much as we talk about help and life getting, you know, food insecurity is not going anywhere, unfortunately, and there's still going to be work to do even in a world past COVID. Yes and no. You know, right now, the, the response that we've had from our community support uh, at the beginning of this first quarter of this year is uh, on pace as it was uh, last year. The data we're receiving from uh, Feeding America, again, who's our, our, our mothership, if you will, overseeing 200 food banks in the country. Um, you know, the donor retention, uh, on average, uh, last I think I heard is like 6 to 8%. They're expecting that to even be higher. And why? And one of the things we learned is the story goes a long way. You know, as you said, blood drives, this is a natural disaster. Well, media stops showing stuff on television or the news. Everyone thinks everything's hunky-dory. All right, we're good. You know, Katrina, how many years ago was Katrina? And there's still parishes in Katrina that just haven't been rebuilt. You know, so so we have to keep telling the story. And we we are um, through, you know, having conversations with you, our social media. Um, and again, the food insecurity has affected everyone somewhere or some other in the neighborhoods, in their family, in their friends. That story's alive. Um, and so as those stories are told at the ground level in the neighborhoods, and we as a food, food bank telling the story externally through our social media that the need is still there and also telling the bright spots, the celebrations, the rewards, um, uh, we believe uh, that we are going to have the support in years to come. How proud are you of the last year of the work you've been able to do uh, from an organizational standpoint? We talked about shifting logistics and stuff like that. But just from looking across the table at somebody who needs help and being able to help them, how proud are you of the last year? You know, the the staff – are, they're, they're, they're humble, they're passionate. We are proud that we have the, opera. We're, we're proud and blessed that uh, we happen to be right where we were uh, to serve. And, you know, the, and I'll say this, you know, our staff, they are frontline heroes. Every one of them uh, was supposed to be here at this moment in time. Uh, you know, no one, no one goes to school or sets out their career to be a food banker. But collectively, the staff that were here were supposed to be here to really, truly serve this this mission that we have as a food bank. Yeah, am I proud? I, I, I'm proud of my colleagues uh, that I get to share, uh, you know, this honor and this 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 uh, joy that we're here to, to serve so many. Uh, I'm proud that I can work with uh, such a dedicated board of directors. It, you know, that's an honor and a pleasure to do that. So all of that is that um, just amazing that we were called, you know, you can't fight the calling that we were all supposed to be here to serve this mission at this time. It's incredible. And that's just such a humbling and yet rewarding feeling um, of, of that we're blessed that we can do this uh, mission service work. And I don't think we're doing it right. If we don't put out a plug for how people can help. Uh, and once again, I know in our previous conversations and other talk, Money goes further from as from donations than food does. Yeah, that is true, and uh, you know that that has allowed us uh, in our region, our four counties, 
through a Feeding America uh, formula, $1 equals three meals. And that allows us, because again, our food donations are still down. We don't have our community food donations. Uh, the dollar allows us to purchase the right nutritious foods, because we can't predict what comes in through the doors uh, from community food donations. And don't get me wrong, we can't wait till we get back to that, because that does help. Uh, but the, the uh, you know, the dollar does go one, one dollar equals three meals. And uh, individuals can set up their own fundraising uh, a platform through our uh, development office and foodbanksj.org. Uh, just follow the tabs, uh, user-friendly uh, food bank uh, tabs, and uh, that will help guide you to how you can help support, whether it's donations, setting up your own GoFundMe page, if you will, through the food bank. Uh, but also, if you need food, there's the food finder. Uh, on our website. So yourself, a friend, a family member, you, you uh, plug in your zip code and it'll give you one of our 210 pantries that we serve uh, throughout the 58 counties uh, in our neighborhood communities. Uh, so foodbanksj.org. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.